Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. The question I ask you this morning is a life and death question. It is, a, it is an eternal question of eternal life, eternal death. Your eternal life and eternal death is going to rest on the question I asked you this morning as we spend the next 30 minutes talking about it. Have you heard the voice of God? Have you heard the voice of God? I mean that still, small voice that often speaks in soft tones, many times at night. And the reason God speaks to you at night is because you've got too much junk going on during the day, too many interfering noises, too many other voices. The Holy Spirit will not speak through the rock and roll and craziness that you've got on your radio and your tape. You've got to turn all that off. I know some of you, I don't know who, I'm not speaking of an individual, but some of you are afraid to be alone. What I mean by that is afraid to be alone, alone. Afraid to be in a room with no sound, no TV, no radio, no radio. That's old, man. That's almost gone. No, no uh, CD, well, that's almost gone too. iPad, iPod, whatever they got now. Always got to have something going. Once in a while, people ask me to go with them someplace, and I will not travel with somebody who keeps a radio on. I won't do it. Who always has got to have noise to be happy. Usually I'll ask them before, let's say we're, you and I were going to ride to Tampa together. I will ask you, can you ride without any music? Can you ride without any, uh, I don't want to hear talk show. I don't want to hear nothing on the radio. We just, it's just you and me. And they'll say, oh, my preacher, man, I always have something on the radio. And I say, good, I'll drive. <laughs> I like quiet. I enjoy peace. There's reasons why. Because I didn't used to. Before I got right with God, I always had either Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, that tells you how old I am, or somebody like that, in a God of DeVita going. I had something going all the time. Every moment of my waking hour, I had to have some music of some kind going. Why? Because when it got quiet, I started hearing something. It's often, this voice I'm talking about is often not recognized as God's voice. It sounds like the voice you hear in what we define as our conscience sometimes, our conscience. I'm going to ask you a question. Who are you talking to when you talk to yourself? Who are you talking to? You know there's more than one of you in there. I mean, you know that you're talking to some. When, when the, old, the little boy who goes to steal the cookie who, mom, who mama set out to cool and who sneaks back into the kitchen and puts his hand out there to grab that cookie, there's a voice talking to him. We call it a conscience. But there is a voice telling him 
your mother said not to do that, and you're going to get whipped real good for doing that. And he smells the cookie, thinks about the whipping, smells the cookie, thinks about the whipping, grabs the cookie. (laughs) What is that voice in your head that is solving problems, thinking through things? Who are you hearing when you attempt to do something wrong that says there's consequences for that? God speaks to us in a lot of ways, but this morning I want to talk about mainly one way. The way he talked to God, the way God talked to Adam and Eve in the garden in our text, and I'll read this now, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, I'll read. The eyes of them were both open after she took the fruit, and he took the fruit, the forbidden fruit. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That was the first thong bikini. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What? 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 They heard the what? The voice. And Adam and his wife, what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him the three saddest words in history. Where art thou? Where art thou? And I believe today and this morning, God's voice is still talking and still calling to his children who are wayward and out of his will. Where art thou? Where have you gone? Why don't you want to be around me anymore? Why don't you want to be around me at all? And he said, Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, afraid, afraid of the one who made him, afraid of the one who fed him, afraid of the one who gave him all of his abilities, Life itself? He said, because I was naked and I hid myself. People today are still hiding themselves from God. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree where thou commanded thee thou shouldest not eat? That's as far as I want to go there. And he heard the voice. They heard the voice of God in that quiet moment. The cool of the evening, the Bible says. The, day, the day's work is over. Your mind is not tied up with a hundred projects or problems or issues of the day to try to solve. It's time to relax the cool of the evening. It's time to cool off. And we in Florida know exactly what that means, the cool of the evening. Gets up to 90-some degrees, 100% humidity. You have your evening rain, afternoon rain. Goes down to 72 degrees. There's a nice cool breeze. We know what this means, the cool of the evening. And boy, it's just, it's just like an oppression comes off of you. They had a time, they had a time to settle themselves, to contemplate. By the way, a voice is not necessarily words. It's a tone. Something so familiar that you know who it is by the sound of it. It is a gener- it's general in nature, but specific in recognition. I have two illustrations about that. 
My mother had bad dementia. I took care of her pretty much. My wife and I took care of her mainly for about seven years. And if you know dementia, it's like people go into a cloud. They're there, but they're in a cloud. And I would take care of her day in, day out. You know, we'd, we'd go buy stuff. We did everything. You know, we just do what we had to do. It was my mother, a woman who used to tell me how to dress and when it's time to eat. And you know, she was the commander in chief of the home, you know. And and now here I am telling her, this is what you got to do. And oh, you got to put these clothes on. And oh, you're not cleaned up good enough. You got. She sent me back. Sent me back till my skin was about wore out. You got a brown. You got a. Uh, this, this, this streak around the back of your neck, you're going to get that off there. Well, yeah, but it's, it's in my skin. And so she'd try to wash that off. But once in a while, I'd walk into the house, and she would say, Billy. And it would, it would knock me over almost. It was a sound of her voice. And I would say, Mom. Are you back? Is that you? She says, me, Billy. And we'd spend about 10, 15 minutes talking, and she was out of the fog. They call it an awakening if you've been around people with that. And it's, it's, it's a mystery that it happens. It's a phenomenon. But for, for a few minutes, my mother was there. But it wasn't by what she said. It was the sound. Her literal sound changed because I tell you what, even if she came in that back door and she spoke a word, I know that's my mother back there. Because I know the sound of her voice has been impregnated in the deepest parts of my mind. That was the way it was. It was a, it was a tone of God's voice that they heard. There was a group of young people stopped beside a whole field of uh, sheep. I mean, it's a massive group of sheep. Look like, from watching the video, it looked like maybe over 100 or so sheep out there grazing. They were about 100 yards away. And these kids tried every kind of thing to try to get those sheep. They, you know, obviously, you know, young people want to, want to never seen a sheep, never petted a sheep. They want to go to, want the sheep to come to them. So they go, they're doing the yelling, hey, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're calling, they're doing it. The sheep are not even raising their head off the grass. The sheep got their head down, and they're eating grass. They're not even raising their head up. And they're there for an, in this video, by the way. Pretty soon, a man comes, and I don't know what he was driving, but he comes up to them, and it's obviously the owner of the farm. And he says, what you all doing? And he says, well, we'd like to have the sheep come to us, and we can't get them to come. And he doesn't say anything that you would understand. He makes a certain sound, a certain word he says. I don't remember what it was, but it was something just like, ah! all of the sheep's head go up. They all turn around, and they all start stampeding towards the fence. And the kids were like, wow, wow, what happened? He says, they know my voice. They know my voice. You know that there's a lot of voices in life. Have you heard the voice of God? 
And remember who made you. God made you. And when you hear his voice, you'll know it's his. Out of all the hundreds of different voices out there, you'll know his voice. I can't explain it, but you'll know his voice. You'll know it was him. You'll know by the sound of it, not so much in what he says. Something has changed. And in the case of Adam and Eve, something had changed the day God came by in the cool of the evening. Sin and self had entered in and separated them from God. They did not even really realize, of course, did not understand the theological significance, the eternal significance of what they had done. But when they heard the sound or the voice of God, instead of being like those sheep and saying, whoo, or by, like I would be when my mother said, Billy, they, they had a spirit of dread came over them, a spirit of dread. A spirit of fear came over them. A spirit of repulsion and panic came over them. And their first instinct was to run, was to hide, was to go somewhere else, do something else. I believe this is exactly what happens in the world today. The sinner who may not even know he has violated the will of his maker walks along in his ignorance until one day he hears the voice of God. It can come through the hearing of the Bible, being read possibly or preached. It can come through going to a Bible-preaching church. It can come from a person stopping at their door and trying to explain to them the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. And I love this part. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are the ministers of reconciliation. Those who've heard the voice of God and answered his call and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood and resurrection as our only possibility of salvation. We now have been given the responsibility to be ambassadors for him, representatives of him, and cry out, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And we cry it out to a lot of folks, and they, they go the other way. Like those sheep, you know, when them kids cry, they didn't care. They go the other way. They don't raise their head. They, we say, the Lord Jesus saves. You need to be saved. No, I'm fine. But once in a while, we come by one who responds to the voice of God, raises their head and said, yes, I need to be saved. I preached. I, I have street preached in a little city called Seneca, South Carolina. And that's an old southern city with a square in the middle. And um, I preached on one side of the square. And street preaching is crazy. It's kind of crazy. You know, you don't have really an amplifier, so you just got to kind of get up on a bench. And it's as loud as you possibly can, basically I quoted scripture of salvation, plan of salvation for about 10 minutes. And nobody was listening. Everybody was walking by. They didn't even lift up their head. And I, and I told God, 
<clears throat> I was real discouraged, to be honest with you. And I told God, somebody's got to, something's got to happen, or I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna quit doing this. Now you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't give God all the maidens. Don't do it. And, but God knows I was discouraged about it. And I did the gospel best I could. And there was a young man came in, sat in a little bench, and for about the last five minutes of it, he listened intensely. I walked down, I said, uh, can I help you? And he said, yeah. And he, as he began to talk to me, a little tear began to come down his eye. 21-year-old young man with, I was 22 or 3, and tear came down his eye and he said, I need to be saved. You need to be saved? He said, I need to be saved. He was hearing the voice of God. I was speaking, but God was also speaking through his word. When you get up and say, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that was one of the verses I quoted. It's not you that speak, though you are speaking. It's God the Holy Spirit with his voice wooing those people that will pay attention and listen to the voice of God and the truth. Beautiful thing. Hearing a voice of God may come from reading a gospel track that somebody gives you or left for you or put in your, put in your car or maybe you picked it up off the ground. I've heard people get saved from a track that was thrown away. They picked it up, read it. It can come possibly from a near-death experience you may have had. I've had a few of them in my life, a few near-death experiences. Most people will have a few Guess what? Some people die. That experience isn't just a miss, it's a hit. And so a near-death experience oftentimes will shake people up. They'll come into my office or make an appointment with me, and they want to talk to me about their soul because they heard the voice of God whisper to them as that thing happened. But just like, just like Adam, most people seem like they, the majority at least want to hide from God instinctively. They got a gut reaction, as it were, to get away from God. But God did not give up on Adam, but he kept calling, Adam, where art thou? Maybe the three saddest words of history. Sin and self will flee from the only... Sin and self, that's what happened in the garden. When they, when they sinned, they, they thought of themselves. They were naked. Before sin, they didn't even know about themselves. They had no self-conscious, just like your dog doesn't have a self-conscious. Just like your people go take their dog in front in public, in a public environment with a lot of people around, take their dog to the to go potty. Now, personally, I'm not gonna do that in front of a bunch of people. There's a difference between animals and you. You have a self-consciousness about you. And they, they didn't even have that in sin. It was, they were so pure of spirit. They didn't even know they were naked. There was no lust. There was no spirit of mocking. There was no spirit of shame or none of that. It was all gone. But when they sinned, they began to think of themselves. It will cause you to flee from the only one that can help you. That's why I believe people going to church, especially a Bible preaching church, is one of the last things that they want to do. Anything but church. 
I've heard them say, I go to church, it makes me so uncomfortable. If you, as an, as an, un, as a, if you, as an unsaved individual without Christ, your personal Savior, can go into a Bible preaching church and be comfortable, something's wrong with that church. Are you with me on this? We're not here to make you uncomfortable. But the preaching of the Bible and the voice of God will make you uncomfortable just like it made Adam and Eve uncomfortable. That's not a bad thing. That's the maybe you got to get uncomfortable before you know you need a comforter. You got to get lost before you need a savior. You got to realize you're a sinner unable to save yourself before you need the free gift of eternal life. You go to church, people think you're uncomfortable, uneasy, nervous. Why? Because the presence of God is there in conviction, in self-examination, in guilt. Guilt is not a bad word. We got a bunch of millennials. No offense on millennials. I'm trying not to generationalize this because this has actually been going on much longer than they have been, but they've emphasized it. They're into words like shaming. Shame's great. I thank God that I got shamed by God. I thank God that my mother shamed me when I did wrong. I thank God that the police shamed me when I did wrong. I thank God they told me, you're doing wrong, and it's not, and it's, it's awful. Shouldn't be doing that. I thank God for people who try to help me and keep me on the path of righteousness. And, of course, when somebody corrects you, there is a feeling of, oh, oh. Shame. When God's voice was in the garden, Adam, where are thou? What happened to them? They got shame. They got shamed by, by the very voice and presence of God. And they became guilty. There's nothing wrong with guilt. Now, some guilt can be wrong. You know, some shaming can be wrong. I'm not saying there can't be wrong in some cases. But in many cases, shaming is, can be beneficial to you. Uh, just like getting hungry causes you to eat. I think being hungry is a good thing. What do you think? It's about noon. Jesus says, if you thirst, hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. God creates a hunger. and You want to go get it filled. God will let guilt, when you sin, God will, God will uh, put some guilt in you and put some shame on you, and, and you'll want to get rid of that. Who wouldn't want to get rid of guilt? Who wouldn't want to get rid of shame? It's a terrible feeling. And there's a way to get rid of it, amen? Go to the cross. If you're a born-again Christian, he, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But remember what Jesus told the adulterous woman, Go and sin no more. Don't take it lightly. You know the three hardest words to say? I was wrong. I, see if we can do it. This will help you. This will save your marriage. I was wrong. I hate to tell my wife that. How many men are with me on that? 
God bless that. You know what the trouble is? I got to do that over and over again. The other day, I acted juvenile. I'm a little edgy lately. And I acted juvenile. I acted like a juvenile the other day. Can you believe that? And I had to look at my mature wife, who almost never does that, and say, I was wrong. Big old tough Marine that guarded a general. Have you ever had to tell her that yet? Yeah. Ain't easy. <laughs> well, hopefully, by the grace of God, once in a while, the old girl will turn around and say it herself. Amen? By the way, I was wrong. You want to have a great marriage? Keep confessing that, baby. Keep it up. Be little in your own eyes. Let God be big. And you be little. My name's Lytel. The pronunciation of my name's Lytel. I have that because that's what my dad said. But Siri calls me little. <laughs> now, personally, I have a little problem with her. Because every on my phone, I got my hands free and I'll say, call Kathy Lytel. And she'll say, calling Kathy little. And she never apologizes. But you got to be willing to say some of the hardest words you ever spoke. I'm wrong. I've sinned against God. What I've done is wrong in your sight, O oh God. Here's what Ezra said. Ezra, oh, Ezra chapter 9, verse 6. Woo, what a, what a, I would I could pray this way. And Ezra said, oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is growing up under the heavens. That's what gets God's attention. That's what gets God's power. That's what gets, gets God's help. Just the words, where art thou? Cause them to run in horror and terror. But let me tell you, when you hear the voice of God and you know it's His voice, don't do what your flesh is telling you to do. Don't do your instinctiveness. Say, I need God. I need that word that contradicts me. I need the Bible who tells me I was wrong and shows me what is right. I need the preacher up there that's preaching the Bible because God said it's by the foolishness of preaching God saved them to believe. God is and wants to speak to you this morning. What's your reaction when you hear the voice of God? I hope you're humble and broken and contrite and confess you're wrong when you need to and that he's right. Don't get the cold sweats. You know what the cold sweats are? That's when you've got a big project to do, but you don't know how to do it, but people think you know how to do it. I laid floor covering for 17 years. Laid, laid ceramic tile, carpet, Vinyl, all kinds of floor covering. We went on the floor, we did it. 
And sometimes I started laying on my own as a subcontractor, 19 years old. And I understand 19 years old, had my own van, tools were brand new, clothes were brand new. I walked into somebody's house and they said, where is the mechanic? Because at 19, I looked young. And so I'd say, I'm the mechanic. I've had women cry. I've had to pick their phone up. You remember these phones that do this? Pick their phone up, dial. Who'd you send out here? I can't believe you said that. Ah, they cry. This is my boss they're talking to. They say, he knows what he's doing. And I'd, I'd, I'd get the cold sweats. It could, it, could be, it could be 40 degrees out, and I'd be sweating because I'd be thinking, can I really do this? When God comes by, sometimes you get the cold sweats because you have to confront. Listen, there's no such thing as non-confrontational evangelism. There's only confrontational evangelism. There's no easy way to tell a sinner on his way to hell, you're a sinner on your way to hell. There's no way you can cushion that up or sweeten that up or kissy, kissy, poo, poo, and all that other stuff. Oh, patty cake, patty cake. Oh, oh. you're not going to slip up on their blind side because but no matter what happens, eventually they got to admit they're a sinner to be saved. Now realize you don't have to knock their head off. Hit them with the Bible. But you got it. It comes down to that. Oh, what, what do the unsaved do when they hear the voice of God? They hide in fun. They hide in their pleasures. They hide in fishing and hunting and every sport nameable. They hide in sexual immorality. They hide in busyness, just being busy. Um, the excuse of work is the only approved of excuse to abandon your family. Chew on that a little. It's not really, but it's a noble excuse that men use to stay away from the things they need to be doing. You can hide in anything other than what God wants you to be and in God's presence and in God's people. Let me say this. I am told in the Bible in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not myself assembling together as the manner of some is. I'm told to get together with you people and worship God in spirit and in truth, to listen to the preaching of the Bible. And I'm not, I am commanded to do that because I need to get with you people. I need the, the, uh, the process of cleansing that happens by getting around other Christians and, and the process of of them honing me for the, by the grace of God. Honing me means taking the rough edges off of me and helping me. I need their criticism. Of course it's in love. Of course it's constructive. But even if it's not, I'm going to take it as from God. Maybe they see something I don't see. Do you ever heard of the Bible says twice in, in Proverbs, a man's right in his own eyes? Well, that's a catch-22 thing. If you're right in your own eyes, then you never see yourself wrong because you're always right in your own eyes. And that's why you go to church. That's why you hear the Bible preach. That's why you read the Bible. Because you need to be told sometimes you're not right because you're going to think you are right. Because we're naturally in this cycle of thinking ourselves. We look at ourselves benevolently. We look at ourselves with lots of grace. We look at ourselves with lots of mercy. 
The voice of God's calling into you to come home. He's paid the price for your sins. He's satisfied the justice of God for you. He's made peace with God for you. And he will make peace with you. The Bible calls it reconciliation. I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Is that your song? There's a place in that, ver that song where it says, God is calling, calling you from a life of wasted years. That's what happened to me. I was out there sowing to the flesh as hard and as fast and as mean, as bad as I could do it. And I heard, kept hearing the voice of God coming by. I ignored it for a while, pushed it away for a little while, tried to stay away from it for a little while, tried to drown it out with the Led Zeppelin, tried to let Jimi Hendrix drown it out. But I had to sleep. I had to get quiet. And he kept calling. God's calling you this morning. Maybe he's been calling you. You've been running. It's time to stop running. Let God catch you. It's the best day you ever have in your life. When you let God catch you and say, hey, I want to do, I want to listen to the one who made me. The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the few minutes together this morning talking about this subject of the voice of God. I pray, Father, the voice of God, even at this moment, in faith we believe the voice of God is speaking yet even now. This thing will be recorded and go over the Internet all over different parts of the world, and the voice of God will speak. Because he uses the preaching of the Bible oftentimes to speak to people. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces us even to the joints and the marrow. It strips us of our excuses. Neither is there any creature is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Thank you, Father, for loving us to where you don't leave us in this state of sin and selfishness. Save us even this moment. There may be some here this, this very moment in this place. You may have come by accident, but you didn't. God brought you here. I don't preach salvation messages every Sunday. I do not. Five, six times a year maybe, maybe a little bit more. But you're here this morning for primarily a salvation message. You think that's an accident? Or is God calling you even now? How long will God call? I don't know. But I do know that if you keep resisting the call of God, there is an end to his call. God forbid that would happen. In a moment, we're going to sing a couple of verses of a song. We're going to ask you to, if you would, let us be able to talk to you about the Lord Jesus. If you come forward here, we're taking a room in the back, one man with a man, lady with a lady. Explain simply in five minutes, ten minutes. More time if you want the blessed gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even after that, the service is never, really the invitation is never over. We'd like to talk to you about it.
We'd love to be able to just sit down and explain what it means to be saved. You know, honest, clear, open, kind explanation of the gospel. Father, now come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.